Hi, I'm George Stalker, and welcome to LastWeekIn.net for the week of 22 August 2020. .NET 5 RC1 is coming soon. Okay, so technically this isn't released yet, but David Fowler of the .NET team shared this photo in a tweet showing two interesting tidbits. .NET 5 Preview 7 is the last preview, aka Alpha, and .NET 5 version 5.0.100, release candidate 1, is coming soon. The other interesting tidbit is the master branch, really poor naming choice, is now at .NET 6.0. And at least at this moment, .NET 6 is slated for November 2021. Microsoft's Ignite conference is September 22nd through September 24th, 2020, and it's free. The subtitle of the conference is Empowering the Technical Community to Help Customers Innovate and Rebuild in a Changing World, which roughly translates to Build New Get Paid. Registration opens on September 3rd, 2020. Dev Intersection is hosting a two-day series of workshops in .NET. Now, this is scheduled to take place after Microsoft Ignite, and it's going to happen on October 26th and October 27th, 2020. Speakers include some really big names in the .NET space, including Scott Goo, I mean, the Goo, Scott Guthrie, Kimberly Tripp, Carl Franklin, Michelle Bustamante, and Scott Hunter. Now, there are the free keynotes as well as paid $199 workshops. I signed up for the keynotes, and I understand that if you do sign up for these free keynotes, you could be entered to win an Xbox or a free workshop. It looks like C-Sharp for Markup is staying in Xamarin Forms 5. Now, do you ever see those fight videos on YouTube that start just a few seconds too late? So you don't really know what caused it, and you're left reading the comments to figure out what the hell is going on? Well, this is like that, but it's on GitHub. Anyway, it turns out after the team was going to take out C-Sharp for Markup support out of Xamarin Form 5 and move it to .NET 6, the loud voices on GitHub convinced them to keep it in. Now, C-Sharp for Markup, in case you don't know what it is, it allows a programmer to write C-Sharp Markup instead of XAML for Xamarin Forms. It looks pretty neat. Incidentally, it was the author of C-Sharp for Markup that let me know about this on Twitter. The EF Core team released their weekly status updates, and they wanted to be sure that to let you know that this includes many-to-many -many in the daily builds. Now, you know an ORM is nascent when many-to-many -many support is just landing. I remember when EF Core was built as the lightweight alternative to EF6. There's no doubt that EF6 was plagued by three different ways to do the same thing, with teams ended up mixing and matching and driving each other crazy. The hope is the EF Core team keeps their eye on the ball and keeps a unified focus on what the API should look like for Entity Framework Core. Given that Microsoft's bread is buttered by large enterprises that hate change, I'm not holding my breath for this sim newer, simpler API. Scott Hanselman released a video explaining the .NET ecosystem. If you're new to .NET, or even if you aren't, this video by Scott Hanselman explains the .NET ecosystem in all of its 20-year sprawling majesty in a YouTube video. The .NET team releases a deep dive into how .NET is built and released. This is a follow-up to the public Twitter statement that .NET daily builds aren't available when there are undisclosed security fixes. Now, the .NET team went through their entire build process and they released a blog post about it. On a personal note, I made it through after a two-drink minimum. It also brings in a sharp relief that .NET will always have Microsoft as its benevolent dictator for life. Put simply, 
no one else could build and maintain this thing, let alone the community. Meoni Stevens releases a three-part series on the .NET Garbage Collector on YouTube. Now, these videos are great. I remember having to learn about how the Garbage Collector worked through Jeffrey Richter's book, The CLR via C-Sharp 2.0, and that was rather heady. Now, here we are, 15 years later, and there are YouTube videos that ex can explain it in a third of the time with a third of the complexity. Mads Torgerson addresses the viral Stuff I Wish C-Sharp had, but doesn't tweet. Mads, who works on the .NET team, went on Twitter to discuss the tweet that made it on Hacker News that detailed some of the changes the author wished C-Sharp had, Mads wrote. This is a great list of useful features missing from C-Sharp. They aren't fundamental flaws, and all could be addressed, and many are on the radar for future versions, e.g., primary constructors are planned for C-Sharp 10 and could then be a building block for object expressions. I'm not really one to ask about all these new features because I'd be perfectly happy with C-Sharp 5. Some of the newer features are rather nice, but I don't think fundamental tinkering with the syntax of a language is a great way to maintain language cohesiveness. You can call me old-fashioned. Rick Brewster opines on what neat things you could do if we could get rid of the count property for certain collections. Now, before Link, certain collections had a .count property. And when link came, there became a count extension method for all collections. He, he goes through on a Twitter thread, and he talks about kind of what the neat things we could do if we could unify the APIs. Did you know the ASP.NET community team holds a weekly stand-up? I'm not actually sure if it actually should be called a stand-up, but of course naming is hard. Anyway, you can check it out weekly on their YouTube site. There's a proposal on GitHub to allow wildcard using statements for C-sharp. If you've ever used Python or TypeScript, and you have the import asterisks, you've seen this sort of approach when importing third-party modules. Dave Glick, the author of the proposal, mentions that it's a way to handle the fact that some types of utility methods, like extension methods, should really be at the top level of a third-party library, even though organizationally, Visual Studio loves it when you stick these things in folders and name the namespaces to match. It's an interesting proposal, and I hope it gets some more traction. System.text.json is getting more love in .NET 5. Now, Microsoft bought Newtonsoft and its author, James Newton King, and it immediately set out to replacing Newtonsoft.json with its own JSON serialization library, which we call System.text.json. Now, incidentally, I'm not actually sure if uh, JNK worked on system.text.json, but that's a story for another day. Anyway, it appears that it's getting some much-needed love. Now, you know they're serious when it actually has its own Kanban board. David Fowler of the .NET team shows off more top-level statements. Now, I'm torn on top-level statements. What it allows you to do is it allows you to create a C-sharp program without a lot of the ceremony that we do now. You omit the program.cs, you omit all of the things that we create, CS, proj, solution files, and you just have a single source C-sharp file. One of my favorite parts of Perl was the ease at which I could create a one-liner or a single file program, and from a nostalgia perspective, I'm happy C-sharp is getting it. But on the other hand, it's this, there's 10 billion ways to do the same thing that ends up plaguing all programming language environments and making it hard for new people to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, you're only new once, but 
it's an eternal September out here, folks. Anyway, David showed off what you could do with top-level statements, and I think it's worth your time. The .NET team showed off Blazor improvements during their .NET community stand-up. I missed this when it happened, but I absolutely refuse to rename this newsletter the last two weeks in .NET. Some of the touted improvements are CSS isolation, lazy loading, and an auto-refresh with .NET Watch for Blazor. Microsoft patched CVE-2020-1464 on August 11th during their normal Patch Tuesday release. This CVE dealt with how Windows validates digital signatures for programs. Now, all of this is normal. Microsoft gets CVEs and they patch them all the time. What makes this one different is that this CVE was in the wild and exploited for two years before Microsoft patched it. Now, it effectively exploited code signing and allowed a malicious actor to paste on files in the MSI after the valid files and allow them to be installed with no one being the wiser. In case Microsoft not patching it for two years didn't raise enough hairs on the back of your neck, one of the people who knew it was being exploited, Bernardo Quintero, released a blog post detailing how it was being exploited. After all, his company detects malware as a service. Now, as Krebs wrote in the post that I'm referencing, in short, an attacker can append a malicious jar to an MSI file signed by a trusted developer, like Microsoft Corporation, and the resulting file can be renamed with the jar extension and will have a valid signature according to Microsoft Windows. Microsoft has decided it will not be fixing this issue in current versions of Windows and agreed we are able to blog about this case and our findings publicly. Now, this was 18 months ago, and the exploit is called Glueball. Now, developers take note, security researchers are much better at finding Googleable names than we are. But the overall of this that upsets me is that Microsoft knew and publicly did nothing about the exploit for two years. In fact, when they were asked the question, why the hell didn't you do something for two years? The representative from Microsoft answered with temerity, I'm sure. Windows users who have applied the latest security updates are protected from this attack. Now, I'm opining here, but I can't believe Microsoft would let such a risky exploit go for two years unless they were forced to. I wouldn't be surprised if a nation-state actor was using that exploit and politely asked Microsoft not to patch it. Yes, that is an opinion, but it's only slightly more plausible than Microsoft saying, eh, no big deal, let's wait two years to fix an already exploited security vulnerability. We've seen Microsoft jump into action immediately on zero-day exploits, but this behavior from Microsoft is really just too weird to ignore. C-Sharp 9 is going to get natively sized integers. Now, for the subset of you that code that need to worry about this, and if you have no idea what this is, then you're not one of them, uh, this is good news, and really one less reason to have to dive into interop. Raymond Chen wrote a blog post detailing why you can't just hack off half of a GUID and use part of it for uniqueness. Now, don't lie, you've thought about doing this before. The .NET team is busy adding nullable annotations to the BCL, or their base class library. All right, this took some reading, and I still don't fully understand what's going on. But the simple response that, as far as I can tell, in c -sharp you have the ability to tell the compiler that a certain reference is nullable. That is, that it can be assigned null through the question mark operator, like string question mark, my var equals null. This tells other programmers that yes, 
a string can have a null value and helps to clearly express the situations where null is a good idea and situations where it might be a bad idea, like billion dollar mistake bad. To lighten our loads, the .NET team has taken adding these nullable annotations to the properties and to the classes in the BCL. Presumably this will help static analysis tools not be such unsympathetic assholes all the time. Presumably. And that's what happened last week in .NET. I'm George Stocker, and I help teams double their productivity through test-driven development. Now, if you or your team want to learn test-driven development, or you just want to go to home at 5 p.m. without worrying about late-breaking bugs, reach out at doubleyourproductivity.io. And thanks.